May the words of my mouth and the of our hearts be in thy sight, O Lord, Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Where's Grandma? Back in the wiggle room. Oh, she's there. Yes, hi there. Mom, baby, and Grandma. Glad you're here today. Big event, baptism. I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading from Mark. Here today is Jesus knows no partiality and heals those in need. Healing ministry today. I was reading the same story in Luke. Also have. I don't know why. Anyway, we'll do the best we can. Um, well, he heals three people. He heals the child's servant and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And what I want to do is look at how Jesus approached people. Um, for him, there was no division. There was no divide. Not true. Example, all right? Civilence, civilence, check, check. Big idea today is... So in his day, we had the temple, right? You talk about barrier and division. This was emblematic of that. So the outer wall, the leper, could not have gone past the outer. He couldn't even get in. And then you had the court, right in the beginning, you had the court of the Gentiles, and you had another wall, and you went beyond that, and there was the court of women. And then beyond that, there was the holy place. The men could go there. No women, no Gentiles, just Jewish men. And then you had the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a very special place. The high priest was the only one who was allowed in there, and it was on Yom Kippur, the high holy day, where he would make atonement for the sins of the people. And he would go in and he would make a sacrifice. And he wore a very special robe. The robe had bells at the bottom. Rope around his ankle. For a purpose. They were listening. And if the bell stopped ringing, they knew that God had struck the high priest dead. And they would drag him out because nobody could go in to get him. Right? Took this very, very seriously. As you know, the Jews were not allowed uh, to exercise capital punishment. This is why they had to bring Jesus to Pilate. There was an exception to this. If someone who was not allowed in a particular area of the temple 
went beyond where they were allowed to be. They could be executed immediately on the spot by the Jews. They took it that seriously. Right? It was also interesting, a few years ago we were in Israel and <laughs> we are going to go up on the Temple Mount and there was a big sign, if you're Jewish, please don't come up here. Don't come up because we don't know where the Holy of Holies was and you might inadvertently step on the place where the Holy of Holies was. So right, we can't have that. So don't come up. Jesus breaks down these walls. He heals the leper, the Gentile, and a woman. And at the cross, he splits the Holy of Holies, and it's this veil, four inches thick, top to bottom. It's just, it just means that everyone has access to God. He's always available. Uh, the menu never changes when you call. You never have to get an AI voice. It's him. When you talk to God, he answers. Jesus is the great wall breaker, letting in one who is physically excluded, racially excluded, and sexually excluded. These are all external characteristics, externals. Race, gender, national origin, language, height, age, these are all externals. Jesus could care less about the externals. He wants to know, who are you? Who are you in here? And we need to take an example, that example, in our day and age. Because I think too often these days we spend too much time thinking about externals. You have the thing called DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. People are given um, advancement not because of who they are, or what they've done is because they've got some external characteristic. And I don't want somebody operating on me who was advanced that way. I don't want somebody flying my airplane who was advanced that way. I want the best possible person. I want the person who worked hard and achieved that position. Jesus could care less about the externals. A leper? Are you kidding me? Come on. A Gentile? No, no, no. He didn't care. He didn't care, and we shouldn't either. Who are the outsiders in our time? I think we're experiencing a very strange turn of events. I think the outsiders in our time, to a large degree, are Bible-believing Christians. <laughs> People that have a view of things that go against the prevailing culture. About 6% of Americans have a, what you call a biblical worldview. Okay. Um, so we have a different view of things like marriage. Marriage is between, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. Faithful, lifelong, heterosexual, monogamous. That's marriage. That's God's definition of marriage. Now, in our world, you can, any, you can define marriage any way you want. You can marry a tree, and people do that. You can marry your dog. And people do that. I saw a woman in a white wedding dress marrying herself. No one understands me better than I do. What? One man, one woman, lifelong, faithful, monogamous. That's, that's God's view of marriage. Now, if you, have some, if, you, if you say that other forms of marriage aren't really right or good, then you're a hater and a bigot. 
That's, that's, that's me. How about sanctity of life? Biblical worldview says conception to natural death. Okay? Conception to natural death. Not six weeks, not 15 weeks, not making you feel pain, not viability. Conception to natural death. Somebody gave me a set of, of feet, and they're, they're tiny, tiny, tiny. I took a picture. This is a set of feet at six weeks. Oh, what is it? Ten. ten weeks? Okay, I was told six, but ten. That, is, that makes it even more amazing because they're so small. But it, they're real. This is a real person. From the moment of conception, it's a real person. We don't get... Now, if you're in this congregation and you've had an abortion, turn the lights back on, we're good. And you've had an abortion, it is not the unforgivable sin. And I guarantee you, I believe this with all my heart, you will see that baby in heaven. I believe it. It's like the little boy in that story, um, the near-death experience he had. Heaven is for real. And he came back and he's four years old and he said to his, his mother... I met my other sister. She said, honey, you don't have another sister. Just carry here. No, no, when I was in heaven, I met my other sister. And she looked at him and he said, well, you had a baby die in your tummy, didn't you? She had a miscarriage. And she said, it was a girl? Well, yeah, it was my sister. Did she have a name? No, if it was a boy, you had a name, but if it was a girl, you couldn't think of a name. So, but she can't wait to meet you. I guarantee you the mother did not tell her four-year-old son she had a miscarriage, but he met his sister in heaven. You're going to meet that child again, right? All kinds of different things. Sexuality, male, female, that whole thing. Um, oh, this is a new one. Just kind of flew into my head. Uh, the government is now asking banks to, to monitor people who are de dealing with exporting goods, Cabela's, back, uh, Bass Pro Shop, and a new one has been added to the list that we want to know about. People who are buying Bibles. People who are buying Bibles. Marge and Steve, are you here? Could you stand up? Okay, Marge is here. I want you to see a purveyor of hate right here. She owns uh, Gabriel's Bookstore. Oh, I'm sorry, Gabriel's Christian Bookstore. Do you sell Bibles? Do you sell a lot of Bibles? 1,300 plus Bibles last year. Boy, have you done a lot of damage in our community. But that's on the list. That's on the list. If you're a Bible-believing person, you're, you're trouble. I don't think Jesus sees it this way, but nevertheless. In our gospel today, the disciples tell Jesus about Peter's mother-in-law, mother's-in-law. <laughs> what? Where's Kimber? She's back there. I like her very much. <laughs> now, on a scale of 1 to 10... Oh, Donald, I'm getting a Donald over here. Mothers-in-law could be really good or really bad. Um, hopefully they're, they're good. When, uh, when I was in college, my folks moved next door to Kathy. 
family, and Kathy actually met um, my family before I met Kathy. So, and she and my stepmom, Jean, actually became best of friends. They really did. They were just as close as you could possibly get. And when we got married, I asked Kathy's mother, what do you want me to call you? She said, well, you're not calling me Jane. I said, well, I'm not calling you mom. I said, I know what I'll call you. Mill, for mother-in-law. And I did. For 40 years, I called her Mill. And, and her dad was Phil. Mill and Phil. M-I-L and F-I-L. That's how the cards came, Mill and Phil. But it was wonderful. It was good. Um, it's interesting to me. She doesn't pray. She's not asked if she believes Jesus can heal. Peter and his family are not asked if, if they believe for her. No conditions are recorded here at all. The word for fever in this is it means fire. Peter's mother-in-law was suffering from what the Talmud called a burning fever. The Talmud actually lays down the methods <coughs> dealing with it, of how you deal with it. A knife wholly made of iron was tied by a braid of hair to a thorn bush. Then a certain magical formula was pronounced, and thus the cure was supposed to be achieved. Jesus completely disregarded all, par all this paraphernalia of popular magic, and with a gesture and word of unique authority and power, he healed the woman. Actually, in our story today, he just takes her hand and she gets up and she's fine. He doesn't say anything. We don't know anything about her faith. Did anybody pray for her? Did any? We don't know any of that. We just know... <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus healed her simply because he wanted to. This is unsolicited mercy. We learn that the mercy of God often acts without being asked. Some people get nervous about that. We've got to be careful not to load the scales of faith with too much freight as though God would not work unless we or believes or prays in just a particular have enough faith. Makes me crazy when people say that. How much is enough? How much is enough, you know? In the gospel, Jesus heals when he's asked to or when he just does. Sometimes we know about the faith of the person, sometimes we don't. Nevertheless, we pray, we always pray. And I think of the story of the widow of Nain. Jesus is walking into this town of Nain, and there's a, there's a funeral procession. There's the son of the widow. She, she's a widow, and she has a son. The son is now dead. And when you're, when you're a widow and you're, you're by yourself, you're in real trouble in that culture. Jesus comes up to the funeral procession, and he brings the, the son back to life. I, we have no idea if anybody asked him to, but I'll tell you, he was moved by compassion for the woman's situation to bring her son back to life so she wouldn't be alone. I don't think anybody asked him to do it. He just, he just did it. Note that when Peter's mother is healed, she serves them. She put herself at their service. No recovery time. I love that. We have somebody in the hospital. Jean Ronstadt right now has some surgery the other day, and she's going to be in the hospital recovering for five days. And that's good. You know, recovery time is good, but no recovery time for this. And when Jesus healed you, you were like, boom, you were done. You were healed.
It was not her service that released Christ's grace. It was his grace that released her service. God's activity in our lives changes us. When he comes into your life in a real way, you are different. You're not who you were, as in Scrooge. Very powerful in that story, and I think you got a, I think you got a 10 on the mother-in-law scale, Kimber. You got a 10 over here on the mother-in-law scale, which was good. There you go. It isn't, it isn't knowledge as much as relationship that makes the difference in your life. It's, it's knowing him that changes you. You're a different person after this. You're not who you used to be, just like he had a whole different value system after that encounter. When God heals you, you remember you didn't do anything to deserve it. It's in his mercy and grace. And I remember back in the day when we were when Keith Barron still, still first came to uh, Living Waters. By the way, Keith is coming again on March 12th here. He'll be here March 12th at 7 o'clock. Keith is a guy that comes and does a healing ministry. And the one I'll never forget is Paul Ferguson. And Paul, I said some stuff on a Sunday because what happened to me. And he went to find out what happened. Why? What is going on? Kern's going to ruin this church. We just started and he's going to kill it. And I got there and he was there and I couldn't believe he was there. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I thought you were going to destroy the church. I had to come and find out what was going on with this guy. And then he, then he said, well, I'm standing back here, and he spots me, and he's coming for me. And I ducked behind a row of women, but he broke through. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm on the floor. I said, you? He goes, yeah. And he said, he's standing there. He's a big guy. And he said, did I ever tell you I got a frozen shoulder? I said, no. He says, yeah, five years. I can't do this. He was, a mis- he was instantly healed. And I'll never forget what he said. Why me? Why me? And I said, why not you? I said, my initial guess is that you're such a curmudgeon, people would say, if it can happen to Ferguson, anybody can do it. (laughs) He was changed that day. He has never been the same. Not just because of a physical healing, but because of a spiritual encounter that he had with Christ that night. He's never been the same. God is going to use that. 
And our story today goes on to heal many. Jesus is a healer. We often think of healing in physical terms. And I, I think of Keith Barron with Paul and, and Ann Allen and Ann McKenzie and Bryce Four. And um, there was a guy in a wheelchair here who couldn't move his arms, he couldn't speak. And all of a sudden, he's moving his arms and he's speaking to his wife. I remember Kathy was here and she said, and he said to Kathy, but I can't do this. And she said, well, you can now. We were at uh, Fire and Glory at, at WEC. Mario Murillo was there and he was up speaking. I think there were like 8,000 people at, at that event. And he's up speaking. This is a few months ago. And he looks down and something catches his attention and he comes down off the stage and he's standing by an older woman in a wheelchair. And she's looking up at him, you know. And he says, um, you can stand up. And she's looking at him like he's crazy. He goes, no, no, you, you, you can get up. You can get up. He takes her hand. And, and she stands up slowly. And she's like, Whoa. You, you can take a step. No, you, you can do it. You can take another one. In about two minutes, he had her by the hand, and they were trotting around the arena. I don't, I'm not kidding. I used to say it was unbelievable, but it's not unbelievable. It was God. She was confined to that wheelchair. When she left, she was walking. God healed her. You can also heal in other ways besides physically. Broken hearts are his specialty. I don't know if anybody is here today with a broken heart. God can heal it. Now, the word salvation is sozo in Greek. It means healing. It means to be healed, being made whole. Whether it's something having to do with your business or your family or your national strife, the church, whatever it might be, things seem so fractured today in so many ways. Doubt and doubt creep in as the... The weapons of the enemy don't, don't go for that. Spiritual warfare is all around us. And it's especially true when things are going well. Right? So, Tuesday, we got the bids on the new building for the school. We had hoped it would be between 5 and 7 million. That's what we were hoping for. It wasn't that. 4.8, 4.3, Now it's between the 4.3 and the 4.2. We have 2.2 million in the bank. We're going to do a gap fund, a gap campaign to try to make the difference up along the way so we don't have to take out a huge loan. But it's going well and the enemy hates it, so get ready. There'll be something over here and something over here and something over here. And when, it, when he rears his ugly head, you swat him. Get out. You don't belong here. Shut up. Oh, I didn't say that. Any kids here? See, there's two S words you don't say with the kids. Shut up and stupid. Right? Great school? Uh-huh. Miss Franklin, foolish. You can be foolish. Not stupid. <laughs> it's true. Bottom line is that God wants us to be whole, healed, and of use in his kingdom. 
Regardless of barriers, Jesus can use us. There are no outsiders to him. He extends his mercy to all who seek him, sometimes even to those who do not. But he is always merciful and a contrite heart he will not despise. So the question is, where are you hurting today? Come to the healer and be healed. He won't turn you away. Amen. All right.